The first lesson today is from Samuel. When the wife of Uriah heard that her husband was dead, she made lamentation for him. When the morning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said to him, There were two men in a certain city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had many, very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. He brought it up, and it grew up with him and with his children. It used to eat of his meager fare and drink from his cup and lie in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man, and he was loath to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared that for the guest who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against the man. He said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Nathan said to David, you are that man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel and I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your bosom and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house for you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, I will raise up trouble against you from within your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this very son for you did it secretly. But I will do this thing before all Israel and before the son. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. The word of the Lord. We'll read a portion of Psalm 51 responsively by the half verse as indicated by the asterisk. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. Wash me through and through from my wickedness. For I know my transgressions. Against you only have I sinned. And so you are justified when you speak. Indeed, I have been wicked from my birth. For behold, you look for truth deep within me. 
purge me from my sin, and I shall be pure. Make me hear of joy and gladness. Hide your face from my sins. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Cast me not away from your presence. Give me the joy of your saving help again. A reading from Ephesians. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one best baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does that mean but that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who had descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts that he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness, in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament, with which it is equipped as part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory to you, Lord. On the next day, when the people who remained after the feeding of the 5,000 saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God, has, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform works of God? And Jesus answered them, 
This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What works are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Gospel of the Lord. The village of Salem. It was a rather special place. It was fairly self-sustaining, raising all its own produce and meat. It had a lush forest where they could grab timber in a sustainable fashion. And amongst the villagers, there was a diversity of skills. They seldom had to go beyond their borders for the goods and services they needed. The villagers lived there a relatively peaceful life for many, many generations, sharing what they had with one another so no one went without. In more recent years, a new mayor was elected to the village. It was normal and expected that whoever held this role of mayor would live in a house that was set apart it was the way of recognizing the importance of this position and honoring the unique and vital role that the mayor played. For the first couple of years, this mayor lived a rather conservative life, taking no more than she needed, for she saw it was important as part of her act as public servant. But over time, the mayor began to get comfortable in the palatious, posh place that the village put her up in. And more than that, she got used to the generous gifts that the villagers gave her. The first fruits of the harvest, the best cuts of the slaughter, and the finest workmanship of all of the artisans. She began to expect these things, and eventually felt entitled to them. Then one summer came that was particularly harsh for this village, for the rain had not fallen, the crops had failed, and both the animals and their owners had gone on rations as they awaited the end of the drought. Yet, while the villagers grew in starvation, the mayor continued to live her comfortable life. Three full, if not excessive, meals every day. She used the rationale that the little bit of extra food that she consumed daily was helping to fortify her 
for her important role as mayor. And she thought to herself what little that could be saved as she cut back would only be a drop in the bucket compared to the needs of the villagers at this point. One day, late in summer, a woman with a small baby came at her door asking for food for the child. The child looked to be no more than nine months old, and his body was starting to show signs of serious starvation. His stomach was beginning to be distended. His limbs were thin and frail. His eyes, the light had gone out of him as if his spirit had already left. The mayor, she directed this young woman down to the bottom of town where the emergency center was set up. She informed the woman that it would be open again on Friday and she could receive her ration distribution there. That nine-month-old baby, Benjamin, died two days later. How horrible, how selfish and out of touch with the needs of her neighbors was this mayor to look away when the need was right in front of her. At that moment when the mother was at the door, the mother was not asking for the whole village to be saved. She was just asking for a meal for her baby. I am that woman. God has charged me to love my neighbors, to feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, to visit the imprisoned, and to welcome the stranger. And yet, how often have I put my own wants in front of the needs of my neighbors? I have sinned against God and against my neighbor. Lord, have mercy. Jesus, Jesus saw the needs of others in his midst. Last week, we were reminded of the feeding of the thousands, using just a few simple loaves and fishes from a small child. This week, the story continues. It's not even 24 hours later, and this crowd has followed Jesus to the other side of the lake. They're wanting more, but more of what? The initial conversation with Jesus makes it sound like maybe they were simply after more food. While the bread and the fish had filled their stomachs full yesterday, they were hungry again. Are they so caught up with their physical hunger that they can't see beyond their immediate needs to see what Jesus is offering right in front of them? Are they not expecting more of Jesus? As they talk with Jesus, they refer back to Moses and the manna that was given to their ancestors in the wilderness. This was seen as a miracle, a gift providing the wandering Israelites with their daily physical needs. 
And it echoes a time, a memory of Eden, when Adam and Eve were fed from the trees of the garden daily. Neither Adam nor Eve nor those Israelites wandering in the desert had to toil for their food. It was provided for them. There was no stress or worry over where that next meal would come from. This crowd in front of Jesus may have simply been asking for a miracle like that. Some of you here have probably experienced a time or many in your lives when you weren't sure where your next meal was going to come from. It might feel like a a vague memory or might be your current situation. I do know that often when you're in that place, it's hard to think about anything beyond that pressing need for food. When I first moved to Vancouver, I was living on a pretty tight budget. So was my housemate, and so often we would go over to Sunrise Market and dumpster dive. One time, Cheryl comes home with a 50-pound bag of flour pulled out of the dumpster. It had just a tiny little hole at one corner. So we took it, we carefully dumped out some of the flour, figuring we got anything that was contaminated out, we threw it away, we repackaged it, we put it in an airtight container. Cheryl loved to bake bread, and so this was a gold mine. And I loved to eat bread, so I was pretty happy too. We had fresh baked bread that we feasted on for weeks and probably months after that find. But even with those special dumpster finds, staying on a tight budget was often overwhelming for me. And I was single. To be honest, I can't even begin to imagine what it would be like to be in that position and trying to raise a family. At times, I was so consumed with how I was going to make ends meet that I lost sight of the bigger picture. I forgot that God had promised that he would look after me, not only for my physical needs, but for all of my needs. I was not expecting enough of God. Jesus demonstrates through the continual redirection in this conversation that he had with the crowd that they too were missing the point. They were unable to grasp the bigger picture. They were too occupied with their current physical hunger to ask for anything more. They were unable to expect more of Jesus. While God had provided something special from heaven for the physical needs of the Israelites wandering in the desert, God was now offering this crowd something also from heaven, but it was something so much more God was offering God's self, also from heaven. But unlike the manna that perished at the end of every day, 
This bread of life is eternal. If only the crowd realized what they were truly hungry for, what their greater needs were, and what Jesus was offering to them that day. If only they were expecting more. Step forward with me, if you will, to 2018. As a church today, as the body of Christ present in the here and now, we are called to care for our neighbors and their holistic needs, including both their physical and their spiritual needs. We are challenged to continually live less like that greedy mayor and more like the sharing villagers. To live more like that child who offered up her bread and fish, even though it seemed meager and inconsequential. We are called to expect more of God and more of ourselves. Luke, in Acts, speaks of the early church having all things in common. That concept may be something that is beyond our understanding and beyond our reality here. And to be honest, it might not be our call. But I am sure that we are called to show God's love by sharing our riches. And when I speak of riches, I'm talking about more than just our physical riches, but also recognizing and supporting the holistic needs of our neighbors. If I'm honest with you, I will tell you the truth, that, it is I, that I find it easier to give a stranger on the street five dollars or were one of those little bags to go with goodies and socks in them. It's easier for me to do that than it is to invite my next door neighbor to church. For some of you, you might find it easier to volunteer at the soup kitchen once a month than it is to listen and offer prayer for your grieving coworker. It may be easier to fill a backpack with new school supplies than it is to become a mentor or a surrogate grandparent for a child in need. Now I'm saying that, but I also want you to hear that I'm not trying to say that any of those actions are not important, for they are. Remember that Jesus fed this crowd with bread and fish before he offered something else. And I suspect it is because, quite frequently, if we're so consumed with our needs of the moment, we're not able to receive anything else. But I also suspect that those things that are hardest for us to give are often the things that we're really called to give. I'm not discrediting any of the things that we here at St. Thomas already do for our community, both those little and large acts of love. But I ask, if we are expecting enough of ourselves and enough of God, 
The bread of life that Christ offers here is in many ways a mystery. And it takes a lifetime to unpack it and understand what it means. But I do think we know for certain that it is a gift coming down from heaven, that it knows and cares for our needs, and that it will never, ever perish. So I ask today, are we expecting enough from this bread? Are we getting our fill? And are we helping others to get their fill of this bread? Are we expecting more?